Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome, folks, to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach. And we're welcoming back our humble co-host and producer to the fold, Mr. Chris Morales. Glad to be back. 646-564-9909 is the number. 646-564-9909. If you want to call in to speak to us, if you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website. That's our show website, that is, blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. You can also listen to us on the call in line, which I just gave to you, if that's your only means. Make it happen. Make it happen. Well, let's officially, on our recap, welcome back our humble producer and co host. He's missed about seven or eight shows. At least. <laughs> and was on the verge of being put on injured reserve. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, to say for yourself, sir? No, other than it's uh, it's good to be back. I did listen to the couple of shows that were done solo, and I have to say, uh, as much as I respect what you do and your talent, you are nothing without me. Okay. All right. <laughs> good, good to hear. Good to hear. I just inserted a pip in my mouth, so... Hopefully uh, the audience won't hear it. You want to explain to the audience here in California who has no idea what the hell a pip is? What I a think pip I is? did explain what a pip is in one of our previous shows. Did, oh, you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe you did. An English candy, which I, when I only put one in my mouth, annoys my wife to no end. You're, just, <laughs> you're supposed to put three or four at the same time. I refuse to do so oh, okay. outside of her presence. Okay, okay. Um, Let's talk some... Uh, Want to get to it? It's been a long time for me. Yes. Cowboys are on the clock. (laughs) I've been waiting to press that button for far too long. Oh, goodness. So, 
So yeah, so uh, your Dallas Cowboys and our speaking let of the me, Bay Area let here. Let me just first start off by saying my worst fear is still a possibility and a reality. It all depends. The Jets have to win. They win, they're in. Yeah. If they lose, and they have to depend on others. Yeah, you always and want to control your own and, destiny. And then there's the chance that the trifecta comes into play, where all three of my teams <laughs> Giants, Cowboys are all, all on the outside looking in. So I need the Jets to uh, to take care of business. Yeah, and let me tell you, the Jets, boy, have they not been the the most quiet of the potential playoff teams this season? Like. People had counted the Jets out four or five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were in playoff contention. I see they beat New England in overtime, and then they're sitting at a nine and six record. I'm like, wow, they're they could be in. Uh, no, they're they're ten and five. Oh, I thought they were nine and six. No, they're ten they're and 10 five. five. Okay, yeah, even so better. The talk has been is that they could be an eleven five team that doesn't make the playoffs, but that was before Pittsburgh lost. Right, right. Since right. Pittsburgh lost, the Jets all they got to do is win. Sunday and they're in. Who are they playing? The Bills. Oh, okay. Should, should be a W. Yeah. Weirder things have happened. Well, are they, they playing in Buffalo or yeah, New York? They're playing in Buffalo. Potential snow. Yes. Potential ugliness. Yep. Okay, so there's there's some risk there, but uh, who would have thought? Uh, and a lot what? of a lot of subplots with Rex. You know, well, and, what's his name too? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. The, the beard come <laughs> and by the way he's now called uh Fitz Magic, by the way. Ryan Fitz Magic, okay. I like that. Um okay, well maybe maybe they'll be in. As far as our direct squads, Cowboys, Niners, we're um we're looking to beat each other out for the higher draft yeah, pick. We're, 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 we're racing right to now. the bottom. <laughs> we're racing to the bottom for that for that high draft pick, that's for sure. That's it. Who do you want to see your team draft? What position, I should say, with the high pick? Let's say you guys end up at number four. We need a pass rusher or cornerback. Okay. So you're probably not drafting a corner that high, so maybe that that devastating, they, vaunted had, pass rusher. Yeah. Yeah. They okay. have, they they drafted a, a corner at number six, if you recall, Claire, Claiborne, a couple a few years ago, and, and that did not turn out well <laughs> from, from LSU. No, it didn't pan out too well at all. So um, I can understand if they choose not to, even though they drafted a corner last year with their first round pick. Yeah, Byron but that Jones. was what twenty yeah, beyond twenty five or yeah. late. Um, but he's going to end up moving to safety. But um, you guys yeah, need I, the next Demarcus Ware. We need a pass rusher. Sure, we need a pass rusher. Okay. All right. Well, what, from, about, what about you guys? Uh, we. You noticed I, I didn't mention the name of the team in your absence. I did. I did. And I heard you actually kind of jabbing or poking at that in some of those shows too, mm. which is pretty unfair as I was not here to defend mm-hmm. my 49ers or mm-hmm. make any. I had the right mind to call in, but mm-hmm. uh, we could um, we could use a quarterback, but. It, you know, as we chatted a little before the show, there's not really one to speak of that's worth. Oh. We did a whole sports show before the show, by the way. <laughs> that that high of a pick, and so I think you know, and again, it might be a stretch, but with that value, if you don't trade down, we could use a solid middle linebacker because uh, we play a three-four, and Bowman is out there by himself right now, mm-hmm. so he could use a running mate. Uh, or an offensive lineman. The the left side of our line is is pretty good, but the right side is terrible. Mm-hmm. And if you could get a good right tackle, um, that's worth that kind of a pick. 
you could reach and, and take one otherwise. If your guy doesn't come out of retirement. Oh, yeah, Mr. Anthony yeah. Davis. I wouldn't bet on it. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's where we stand. All right. Um, what was I thinking? Something profound, I would imagine. I think, so, after the Super Bowl was played, is the is the NBA All Star Game after or it's after the Super Bowl, right? The NBA All Star Game. Yeah, yeah. The All Star Game is like in March. No, no, no. I want to no. say it, February or February. March. It's in February. So I think mid to late February. It's yeah, yeah. The Super Bowl this year, I believe, is the seventh, February seventh. Okay. So after the football season ends, after the Super Bowl, we will turn our attention to the NBA because, of course, <laughs> you know, I have. As much as I uh, have disdain for the for the Niners, I have an equal amount of disdain for the Warriors. So we will talk Knicks and Warriors for okay. the balance of the basketball season at that time. Well, let me be the first to say I can't wait for the Knicks and the Warriors chat to begin. Okay. And I know you're just hoping that the Warriors at least have three or four losses by that time. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. you're going to hear I'm, all about it. I'm using all kinds of voodoo <laughs> and you name it. Someone's got to be a... All right. Um, while you were out, I got a very interesting one of our recovery support time calls. A call. Which I thought was so interesting that I wanted you to – I told the gentleman to call back today. I don't know if he will. Okay. Um, but I want to play the call for you because I said I, I, I wished you were here to respond to it. Okay. Because I was kind of flabbergasted at what he was saying, even though I kind of still gave it to him. Okay. But um, I want you to hear the call and then hear your your comments. So let's let's see let's play the call and then we'll hear your comments. But it works. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Hi. Can I have your first name, please, and your hometown? Anthony. San Bruno, California. Can you speak up a little bit, Anthony? Uh, San Bruno, California. Okay. Speak up a little bit so I can hear you. Okay. San Bruno, California. Good. Perfect. Okay. How can I help you, sir? Um, so my question is, I have an oral fixation with smoke. And um, if if... If the only thing that gives me a big cloud is smoking meth, how can I stop the cravings of wanting to smoke meth and have that big cloud just uh, feel feel my craving? You said you have an oral fixation with smoke. Yeah, I like I like to blow big clouds of smoke, and if I mean if I can smoke quote unquote meth without there being any meth in it, and not have an addiction to it, I would. And how do I overcome and, that? And wait, wait, and you're and you're saying you you do that you would do that just because of the the wanting to see the smoke cloud. Yes, sir. I don't know what to say to that. Okay. Honestly, I wouldn't know what to say to that. Because I mean, I if, I could, if I could smoke, with, well, if I could smoke something that, that like like meth, how you get a big cloud, and it not get me high, I would. 
but there's nothing out there that that would fulfill my craving for that cloud. Yeah, I I don't think you're being honest with yourself, to be honest. Okay. Um, did well, did but, was what did you like smoking meth? Yeah. But sometimes I didn't like the way it made me feel. Sometimes well, I would get too high, and I would sometimes I would feel, man, why did I smoke? Keep on smoking, but the whole fixation was the cloud. Well, that the cloud is a byproduct. You know, that's. You know what I'm saying? That's like uh, someone who, you know, you know, hung out with a group of people sniffing cocaine, and you know, the group, you know, being in the group and hanging out in that atmosphere was just a byproduct. But the getting high was the whole purpose for it. Mm-hmm. So that's the way you can look at the smoke cloud. The smoke cloud is just a byproduct, but the whole purpose was the getting high. Yeah, and that's, but I'm that's, go on. I was going to say that's that's where I think you are fooling yourself by just saying you know it's if I can if I can somehow eliminate the meth from it and still smoke and just get the smoke cloud, then I'd be satisfied. Yeah. I definitely would, because now I smoke but cigarettes. I, I'm in recovery, I, and and I, and I smoke cigarettes like I chain smoke now, and I don't. I I didn't want to smoke when I got out of jail, but I keep smoking, just to have that you know that that fixation of the cloud. So, what you have is you have an association of a particular thing, this cloud, with something that you did, which was getting high on methamphetamine. Yeah. Okay. You need to talk more about well, what is it? What is it about that fixation, that smoke cloud? Yeah. Okay. Why I'm so focused on that? Because you even said when I asked you, you know, did you smoke meth? Yes. Did you like it? Yes, except for when I did it too much. But the answer yeah. is still yes. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Because if there was no, if, 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 however you did your meth, if there was no smoke cloud, There'd you wouldn't no turn to, if, if, if you, if, if there was no smoke cloud, honestly speaking, would you have said, wait a second, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore? Because unless I can get a smoke cloud, I'm not doing this. Would you have said that? Yeah. Because it would have been no fun for me. Because when I when I when I smoke meth, I blow it out in a, on a table or on a flat surface, and, and then I make tornadoes out of it. And I, that, you know what? That, uh, um, you, you're gonna have to call back. I'm gonna have you call back when my co-host is here, because I want him to hear this for for himself. Okay. I've never heard this. Okay. I've I've never heard this before. All right. So when, when should I call oh. back? Well, we don't have a live show next week, but the week after that, which will be the uh, 29th, that Tuesday. Yeah. But I want you, to, on, between now and then, what I want you to think about is your association, meaning that your your focus is on the cloud of smoke rather than on the using and what that has done to you. Right. Okay? Okay. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it. (laughs) Yeah.
Okay, uh, let's go to this call here. It'll, it'll end in a minute. Okay. There you go. Um. Yeah, well, you know what? To be honest, as funny as it may sound, he's not the first person I've heard describe that sensation. Mm-hmm. What I think he may be missing, which I think maybe you were trying to speak to and he may have just not been understanding the connection you were trying to make, is that there there is a correlation in his mind with the the smoke fixation that he has, you know, seeing a big cloud of smoke, so mm-hmm. to speak, and the feeling that comes with it when he's smoking meth, which he may not understand there's a connection there. They may be two separate things to him, mm-hmm. where what I think he would realize is that it's not just the smoke that matters, although that might be, like you said, a byproduct or something else that he enjoyed about it, that if he could smoke something and get the same cloud, but the feeling of when that meth enters your body was absent, that the smoke would no longer... Well, what he said was, when I asked him, I said, so are you saying that if you smoked meth and didn't get that smoke cloud, would you not smoke meth? I heard that. And he said, no. Right. Now, I'd like to tell you that there's no one on the planet that believes that. Right. No, I I heard that, but I guess what I'm saying is I can believe that he at least believes that or that there's some sincerity some sincerity behind that the way for that him he to, believes that he wouldn't smoke if he didn't get the correct cloud. what i think he's failing to realize is there was no separation between the two the cloud came with the feeling and he can't see that if he could recreate the same kind of smoke going in and out of his mouth his lungs whatever and seeing that with the absence of however he felt when he was high on meth, he would then realize, oh, no. Me visually seeing the cloud is something that I like, but I also feel good as I'm seeing that because that's the drug inside me, right? Like he's not able to separate the two. Well, he's not able to – he wasn't able to make the connection right. that the cloud is just a byproduct. So you can see a cloud. So when he says, well, if I could have the cloud but it not get me high, I would take the cloud. Right. No, one, no one believes that because that's similar to someone saying, well, if they smoke marijuana and if they're walking down the street and they they smell marijuana, well, that's good enough for them. Well, it's actually in reverse. If you're in recovery and you know, you're know you not into getting high anymore, et cetera, you can smell marijuana and notice it and say, hmm, that smells like weed. Right. And even comment on whether or not it smells like good or bad weed. Right. But it has no impact on what you're going to do. Right. He's saying currently that I'm not going to do it if I don't, if I, if I don't get the cloud. Right. And, and so I, what I'm saying is I would, giving him the benefit of the doubt, I would bet that whether or not that's true, that he believes that. Or oh, I'm he, su- oh, I'm sure he believes Or it. that he may believe that. Our job, or my job, was trying to get him to realize that what he, There's be- no separation. What he believed is inaccurate. Right, 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 right. That, and that, that he needed to take, in this two-week period, he needed to take a real hard introspective look right. at what his, what his belief was. Right, that his experience couldn't be 
accurate because he never experienced one without the other. One was not an isolation or free of the other. Exactly. Every time he had that experience that, wow, like I really like to see and visualize smoke coming like out of my mouth. I engulfed in the cloud right, of, the, that of the smoke. There was the feeling of the chemical at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I might have suge- <laughs> what I might have suggested to him was that he go to a hookah bar at some point with some friends. This is something that is very, very popular in the Middle Eastern culture. There are actually plenty of them up and down the peninsula. And for people, and now obviously people who do drink and, and such will go there and, and they will drink and do this as well. But I think this is also an activity popular among folks who don't get high or don't drink because it's social, you're in a lounge, mm-hmm. um, and, and it can be fun. It can be interactive. It's a way to experience another culture. For him, I would say this is also another way you can experience the cloud, making dragons or whatever, whatever tornadoes. I think is the word that he used. He he first needs to come to uh, an honest understanding of his uh, right his reality. Well, and I but I I before believe I, before I recommend him going to the hookah bar. What? But the reason I would recommend that is because I think. There's only so much, and you and I both know this, there's only so much you can say to someone to get them to believe you. A lot of addicts, for whatever reason, like to use experience as the only way to learn. Uh, that I believe if he went into that kind of a setting, he would learn rather quickly that, uh, no, the the blowing out of smoke and this huge thing that I can do in the hookah lounge is actually not giving me the same enjoyment as I got when I was smoking meth. and mm-hmm. And he may... Because that is one way, if you will, to test that theory because it's you can separate. That's so, the one area so that you ba- can separate the two. So back in the day, what we would call that, and, and we wouldn't even make any specific recommendations on where you would could go to do your research, but we would call that you would need to do some more research. Do some more research. And, yeah. and realize that uh, your thought process is needs some correcting. So I thought you would enjoy listening to I did. Uh, that call, which I thought was a very interesting call. <laughs> it was it it was good, and what made it what made it special was knowing having worked with you as the co-host for over a year now, and knowing how you feel about particular questions, engaging your responses. I, I knew how you were feeling in that moment. That may have been one where if I were in the studio. Uh, you would have uh, pushed the mic to the side and pointed to me as if to say, you're going to have to take this one because I'm not getting into this. Yeah, because I might have a slip of the tongue. (laughs) But, yeah, no, I'm glad you saved it. That's a good one. Hopefully he calls back today. Maybe my angle or perspective will uh, lead him to feeling a little differently than he may have felt after you told him, "Uh, you'll have to talk to my co-host about this. We. Well, yeah, I have to call nonsense nonsense. Um, but when you're dealing with uh, a thought process, sometimes you have to come at it from different angles. You to, do to attack it. You do because if, if if you come straight from the front, they're ready for it. They've got the defense lined up mentally, psychologically, etc. And so you might have to come sideways, come from the back, um, come from the top come from underneath, come from anywhere but from directly in front of them to get to them. 
Yeah, get well, some commitment to look at it differently, which is what I hope he did in, the, in, the, in two weeks. And we'll see, you know, if, if he calls back, if not uh, this week uh, at the next show. The thing that, because like you said, you and everybody else who's listening and everybody else who heard knows that 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 that's BS. That's mm-hmm. not the not the reason. Um, where you have to tread carefully, like you said, is how you wrap and deliver that message. Mm-hmm. Because you have to remain cognizant of the fact that, as ridiculous as that sounds, and and everybody knows it not to be true, and he he ought to look at it from a different perspective. He may very well be genuine and and believing in what oh, yeah. he's saying. Yeah. yeah. And that's valid for him, mm-hmm. at least at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, yeah, you may not want to go full force ahead with that. I noticed you you tried a couple of jabs, dance around the ring for a little bit, mm-hmm. but it <laughs> it didn't pan out in the end. He no. has to call back. So hopefully he calls back. All right. Uh, the year in review. The year ahead. And I'm talking calendar year, by the way. Okay. Today's the 29th. Today's the 29th of, of December. December couple more days to uh, close out 2015. Yeah. The year has gone by quickly. It seems like time is moving fast. However, I like to say we're moving we're, we are moving faster through the space and time continuum. Okay. Not that time is moving fast. Um I want to talk about some highs, some lows. With OC, about OCG specifically, Daytop, uh, OCG Radio, uh, any accomplishments in the recovery realm, um, changes that we might be dealing with in the field, locally, nationally, uh, and what's what's ahead for 2016, the year ahead. Okay. So I'm going to go out of order since we're... <laughs> We're we're dealing with something right now, which was uh, <laughs> falls under OCG Radio. Yes. So right now our call in line is not working. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. And and I well actually no. It might be working. It's just that we don't know if it's a, if it's our line. It's inside. our end. Yeah. I just confirmed that because I tried calling my cell phone mm-hmm. and got the same thing from our from our line in here. Okay. The same response. So the call in line is working. Um, for those of you listening, you'll definitely be able to call in the the risk we run uh, for anybody out there who wants to play. We just won't be able to screen. As we, yeah, we won't be able to screen any calls. So, so. that's fine. That's fine. Um, so we experienced uh, a lot of technical issues. I yeah. say a lot, but some significant technical issues. Significant is a good uh, word. With uh, OCG Radio and um. For the most part, not on our end, I'd like to mention. Well, I want to at least say that, um, at least for me, I'm not a perfectionist, but I'm close to it in terms of how I like things to be. So I wanted us to always sound, in terms technically, as professional as possible and not sound like we were talking between two tin cans and a string. (laughs) Um, You and I both have listened to other shows. Uh, we listen to um, you know other broadcasts to right. to measure ourselves not only in terms of content but in terms of technical sound and so on. It's, or have the audio, et cetera, 
um, to see if we needed to step our game up or where our game ranked in comparison to others, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I thought, just from listening to others, that we were pretty pretty good in terms of uh, where we were. But when we run into those technical difficulties with the network going down on their end, uh, it makes us look bad. <laughs> yeah, it drops us down a couple notches. Brings us back to the, the uh, playing field, so to speak. I also thought, technically speaking, we sounded really good. Um, as good as I suppose you can when you are airing from like an internet source yeah. versus an actual radio station. Uh, I thought we did sound pretty good. I think what separates us and mind you, I make this comment not just coming from myself because obviously I will have a bias as well as the host, but we've asked others that we know to listen to clips from other shows. And I believe what separates us is the entertainment value. Honestly, um, you can only talk for two hours. I, I don't know if we're entertainment. <laughs> you can only talk for two hours about any subject once a week without it becoming dry. Mm -hmm. And I think we have found a pretty good balance between offering solid content in the category that we broadcast in, as well as current events, sports, a little humor, Things to lighten the show up, um, because I have heard that people listening do appreciate the content and the subject from the topic of the day and that they learn things about recovery listening to our show, but enjoy the music breaks and enjoy the sound clips and enjoy the banter that we have back and forth, which mainly exists because I am as witty as I am. Mm -hmm. um, and and so I think we've done a, we've done a good job, but I do agree when we've had those technical difficulties where we're mid-topic and all of a sudden we go dead for 45 minutes, it doesn't, it doesn't sound so good. No, and we go dead and we don't know it, but our, you know, our, our, we have heirs, our we have heirs out there who text us <laughs> and say, you guys are dead, you're off air, you're back on, you're off, you're on again, what the Terrible. hell is going on, I can't, what's wrong with you guys, do you know what you're doing there, Terrible. you know, stuff like that, so... um I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it's mostly the wives. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, get, get your game correct. Right. You know you're going to get honest feedback from, from that individual or that uh, that type of listener, of course. So, yeah, but that was pretty devastating. There were definitely more than uh, one or two shows where we would check our cell phones because the screen might start looking funny, but you didn't really know. And or then, the screen was saying that everything was fine. Yeah, and the clock. Yeah, nothing. Maybe nothing has changed. Just to let you guys. We have a huge on-air clock that's on the screen that lets it's counting down, to letting us know how much time we have before the computer shuts us off. And if that clock is just acting as normal, unless something else is going crazy, we have no way of knowing if the server has cut us off or what have you. So we usually find 99% of the time we find out from someone calling in saying you're off air. And we're staring at the clock when it's just steadily counting down. And it has, I don't know if you've seen this on TV, it has a big on-air sign. It says you're on air. Right. So it lets us know that we're we're live. So, but we were able to find uh, getting away from that issue that was causing the problem and find a workaround which right. seems to have not only provided a little bit more stability because we're knocking on wood, yes, um, but some better sound quality Yeah, from what I've heard. 
Yeah, so far so good with that with that fix. So yeah, I agree with all that about the radio. Now, just a side comment on what you said. I can talk recovery all for two day, hours all, every week, yeah, and all day. <laughs> uh, and as a matter of fact, I did get an opportunity to speak to the family twice within the last three weeks. Uh, but these were like short shorts because I went in there for 15 minutes because um, sometimes I hear things that bother me mm. in the TC realm. Yeah. And uh, I have to get the family together and uh, bring reality back into the picture. Right, right. And uh, I did that recently a couple of weeks ago and had them facing the chalkboard, you know, the chalkboard where they write the word of the day, yes. theme of the day, and whatever, and we erased all that. Had the whole family sitting in front of that, and I drew a huge diagram starting, and I said, so this is a picture of the, I'm drawing uh, Daytop, the entry unit in Far Rockaway, Parksville, Swan Lake, Rhinebeck, Fox Run, Millbrook, um, all of the upstate facilities. Okay. Because there was some griping going on about our clients as they come into our programs. And we have a couple of programs, and so clients can receive treatment in different programs depending on what our contract requires, what their needs may require, right. so on and so forth. And, of course, when I get the sense – and we've had a couple of shows where I did house meetings, and that was usually for just me to vent, by the way um, – <laughs> that there is a either a sense of entitlement or a lack of understanding of what this thing is about here, um, I feel the need to go and uh, clarify for people. And on that day, I had to let them know that using myself as an example, when I went into the entry unit, I didn't have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to say, oh, because all my peers went up to Parksville, that's where I want to go. I said, that, uh, that never entered my the process of my mind to even think of uh, of saying that. Why, did that. why didn't that not happen? I said, because I was so grateful that I got the opportunity to get a bed that I don't care. I didn't care where they sent me. I haven't been to any of these facilities. I don't know what's at what. I knew where my peers went. Right. Like, I don't know what's at Parksville. I don't know what's at Swan Lake. I don't know what's at Rhinebeck. I've never been there. So what you don't know, you have no experience of. Well, they sent me to Swan Lake. I was just grateful that they sent me somewhere, that there was a bed available. Right. And so my, you know, the point I was making to them is that you, know, you may come into this facility first, okay? And this may serve as, it, as similar to like the entry unit served for Daytop and Far Rockaway. And you know what? You may end up doing all your treatment here, or you may go over to Redwood City and complete your treatment. Who knows? But don't think that just because you come here that you're going to stay here and that you're going to have an attitude if you find out, oh, I'm being rotated over to here or there. Right. So it's the attitude that I was you know, was hearing rumors and that messaging to getting to. back to me that residents were having attitudes about being rotated and, and and whatnot. Right. So I had to deal with that because I have very low tolerance for ungratefulness. Not being grateful, yeah, that and, makes sense. And taking your eye off what's important um, 
and who cares what what facility you are in. Be grateful that there is a facility. Be grateful that the county says, yes, we will fund you and pay for your treatment no matter where it's going to take place. You know, be grateful for those things because there's a lot of people sitting in jail. That's the other thing I told them. Between 245 and 345, as I sit in my office, the office next door is the intake director. The phone rings non for one hour. And I asked them um, maybe like nine months ago because it just seemed odd, like every day between 245 and 345. And he said, oh, that's people calling from jail because that's the time that's of the day when they, get to use it, when they get to use the phone. Yeah. So it's nonstop the message is over, you know, for the whole, the whole hour. There's no break. As soon as the call ends. It rings again, another message. Right. I said, there are people in jail waiting to come in. Why can't they come in? Because there's no beds. There was a time in Daytop. I can't speak prior to 1995. I can only speak, I'm mean, sorry, post-1995. And I can only speak prior to 1995. Because prior to 1995, 90% of the people that went into t- treatment in Daytop went involuntarily, and then that kind of changed over time in the mid to late 90s that people started get coming in through probation orders and what we call here locally modified, you know, sentencing. Right, right. So you get the opportunity to go to treatment rather than to jail or prison. Well, when people were coming in voluntarily, and because there was such a waiting list, and there's no exaggeration, when I, when I came in, when I got a bed, there were 2,000 people on the waiting list in New York. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's a lot of people, right? If you uttered the words or the syllables, I don't, before you emphasize the T in don't, (laughs) you you are being escorted back to the dorm, male or female dorm, whichever one, for them to help you pack. Four or five people are walking you back to the dorm to help you pack. If there was any sense you didn't want to be there, they were helping you go, giving you a bus ticket, taking you to the bus station, and getting you back down to the city because the next day somebody was ready to come up and take that bed. Wow. Because people were literally, literally, not figuratively, literally dying in the streets waiting to come in. And if you weren't ready, we're not going to try and talk you out of it. We're not going to soothe you over. None of that stuff. You either take advantage of the opportunity or... Someone that needs that bed is getting that bed. And that's how it was. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, uh, I totally get that with the obviously with such a huge waiting list. And like you said, people literally dying on the street for that bed. There was not going to be a sense that you weren't grateful in any way, shape or form or they were going to say see you later. Uh, and that is one thing in, that is not special or specific to you exactly. But I think a lot of staff members or employees in this field have felt that in in this particular generation, this sense of entitlement, uh, this general air of I'm not grateful and who gives an F and, and that can rub people the wrong way because A, well, your own experience and what you've seen and B, the idea that they may not be thinking about what actually had to happen to get them here, right? like the, the list that, that they may have had to bypass or the amount of money that is actually being given to them for free that they don't even need to be aware of to be funded for treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where that money comes from. And so the idea that I'm being given an opportunity, Mm -hmm. I am being given an opportunity Mm -hmm. that could save my life, and we get a sense that you couldn't care less about what it took or why that's happening for you, rubs people the wrong way, for sure. So I would... uh, I would have to agree. I have felt that way in the past with with clients as well, um, taking it for granted, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is far different, by the way, than folks who come into treatment and who are just struggling with the idea of making a decision to make a change, or struggling with the idea of wanting to be clean or sober. Mm-hmm. You could be in here and struggle and fight it, you know, at the beginning while you're here, and oh, I don't care what you guys are preaching. I don't really want to be clean or whatever is a separate issue from just not being grateful that you're being given this chance. Because mm-hmm. we still want you to come in and be honest, and we don't expect that because you were accepted into this program that 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 that's it. All mm-hmm. of a sudden you're on holy ground and you made the change. And we know that there will still be battles, but just being grateful that you've been given an opportunity goes a long way. And, and when they show that they're not grateful or when anybody shows that they're not grateful, it's not a good look. And to me that's when uh they need to be spoken to and some background information right. in terms of uh how the world really works in this arena yeah uh and hopefully that ch- changes their you know their perception yeah because ultimately all that does is take the focus off of the 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 main thing which is focusing on my treatment what do I need to do to get my act together, get my life back on track and all of that stuff and stop worrying about all of this other nonsense that people are into now and, and, and playing the system game and all of that stuff that takes away from why are you here? Are you here to file 175 grievances about everything from A to Z? Are you here to complain about this, that or another? Or are you here to get right. your life back together? Right. Which one is it? Right. So that's that. OCG for 2015, our common ground. Um, well, you know, we it was, it was a year of change, and it's going to continue to be a year of change as everyone, not only us, but uh, the residential providers in this county or in all of California. But, you know, I'll, I can only speak for the ones that I've been working with. There's only five of us in the county that we're in. Um, the county is about, for our East Coast friends, maybe about as large as two-thirds the size of Queens. I think Queens has over three-quarters of a million people, and we're at about a little over half a million yeah. in San Mateo County. So, um, you know, there's only five of us, and um, the residential providers are struggling to adapt to the way treatment is moving uh slowly, you know, chugging along and, you know, the funding, the way funding is going to change long term. And I've said this publicly, long term, it's going to be in our best interest. The problem is short term, who's going to survive until we get there. And so we have seen providers go by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah. Because they have not been able to survive the changes or the, 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 per- the period of time that the change is going to occur before they we get to that place where we're all – we have adapted. The new funding mechanism is in place. Everything is running as it should. 
because when we get there, that's going to be great for the providers because all of the concerns we've had for 20 years in terms of funding going up, funding going down, all of that goes away. The, the problem and the question is getting, getting there. there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. What's going to happen to some providers while they're waiting to get there? And so um, our local county has stepped up, um, stepped up to the plate. Have they stepped up as much as they could? No. Have they stepped up more than we thought that they would? Yes. So I guess, you know, kind of compromise deal there. So better than nothing. Um, ultimately, I think in Illinois, I know in New York State, California was a part of it, pushing the federal government to uh, change that rule that would not fund residential programs that were over 16 beds with Medicaid dollars. Right. And everyone was waiting for that to be um, waived. And it finally was waived in August. And so once that finally got waived, then the, you know, the train started moving a lot quicker Yeah. Um, to, for everyone to kind of change over their, uh, their process. Treatment is going to be shorter than what we have been used to in the past. I mean, We've been through periods of time that treatment has eighteen shrunk, to twenty four months shrunk. back I mean, in the day. Back in the day, treatment yeah, yeah, you could be in residential for up to eighteen months. Then it went down to a year and you know, now we're hoovering in the eight, nine months range, but it's gonna be you know, down to ninety days residential. Right. Um that that they're gonna pay for. And so that's gonna make the continuum of care even more important. Which OCG is oh, fortunate, and haven't we? We are been uh, so fortunate to be in uh, that <laughs> position that we're in. Yeah, we're in a position. Um, I don't know whether by luck or by I don't even know what to call divine it. Divine intervention. Yeah, divine. Yeah, divine <laughs> intervention. Maybe. Yeah. It you know certain things happened with uh, you know us deciding that we didn't want to serve adolescents anymore, which we did for twenty six years. Right. Um, and I'd say we, we, it, it was like we were in a position where we were all on a life raft in the middle of the ocean, and we just said, "Save ourselves, the staff." We said, "Save ourselves," you know, because uh, I think if we would have continued uh, in that industry, uh, we would have. Uh, the great white shark was circling. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been uh, head cases moving forward. So we decided we weren't going to serve adolescents anymore. Um, that field was uh, too much politics, um, too difficult, not funded correctly. I can go on and on and on, and which left us with uh, a facility. What are we going to do with this facility? We own it. Right. And so we kind of got – Staff cre- that lost their jobs, claim your rooms now, one through eight. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We, you know, we got creative and created a, a new model of a day treatment program, which the county bought into, um, and which now the state has bought into, um, which uh, it's called a recovery residence, and then attached to it is a day treatment program. So people who are traditionally you go to day treatment, you go for a few hours a day and you go home, and now people go to day treatment and they can now live in a recovery residence, which is funded by the county. And they, that's them so, going home. So right. So, and, and I don't know if you guys know, I'm sure you know, there's, you know, there is no such thing as home unless you have a home in San Mateo County. I mean, oh, I yeah. Mean, there's just the housing crisis is unspeakable. 
And so if imagine if someone only has three months of residential treatment. We all know they are not done with treatment. Right. They, you know, at three months, you're just – think of a meth addict. Well, and we've spoken about this on air, the trimesters. We did right. a whole series exactly. about this. So you're just – you're coming at the close of the first trimester. You're now just – getting your biological functioning back and your physical functioning, your mental functioning, your emotional functioning, all coming back so you can now start to move forward a little bit. And now, boom, you got to go. Yeah. And so we're lucky that when they have to be stepped down from residential to day treatment, they're still in looking from the outside looking in. You look at it, it's almost it's like a modified residential even though technically they have no connection to each other. But at least the client can, for themselves, can say, hey, this doesn't look like anything different from where I left. I got a place to stay. You know, I get food. I still have a re- – it's a recover- It's a te- therapeutic community environment. I just walk 50 yards next door where I get my groups and my treatment and so on and so forth. Right. So that's kind of what the setup is. Um, and can I intervene for yeah. a quick second? Because as I was thinking, and I know we just, I think uh, the term divine intervention was one that we agreed upon, but and this is more for me to say to you and also the callers listening because the host is quite a humble individual and uh, you will rarely, if ever, hear him toot his own horn, but much of the reason we're in the position that we are in today after sailing the stormy seas over the past five years is, is because of our host here um, led us through times where, in all honesty, and I can speak on this as an employee who is dark, dark days, <laughs> dark, dark days, well, well below him on the chain of command here. Um, there was definitely worry among myself and some of my colleagues on the same level that we weren't going to make it and that we may not have jobs. And uh, that concern was real. And so while I think, yeah, a little bit of luck needed to be involved and some, some circumstances and happenstances needed to be available. But I don't think that we would have been in this position, even if the pieces had aligned correctly, if we weren't ready to make those changes or adaptations or acclimate to what was happening. And I believe the reason that we were and this company was it is because of our host, who is the executive director of this program, um, had us ready to be in that position if that was the position that we needed to be in and had plan B's and plan C's. And um, that certainly doesn't happen with luck. That happens with preparation and organization and uh, prescience, if you will, to be able to see what may be coming down the pike. And so I I would like to, even if he doesn't himself, say thank you to, to the host for being who he was and leading us the way he did for us to even be able to be in this position right now. You're very welcome. <laughs> and th- keep the paychecks coming. Keep the paychecks coming. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I was taught, it all rolls downhill. I was taught and trained and mentored Some of the greatest. to have a plan B and plan C mm-hmm. and look further out as to what's coming down the pike. Right. So, which brings us to what's coming down the pike. There it is. <laughs> what's next? All I see for 2016 really is um, I've been asked to well, – we're one of four providers, so I'm representing OCG 
to sit on a panel and help the county plan for 2016-2017 fiscal year, how they're going to go about this new programmatic method of treatment in the state of California, but on the local level where we live in San Mateo County. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to serve on that and have a say in how it's going to go down and, you know, how it's going to be set up and all of that good stuff. So <clears throat> that's going to be the focus for 2016. What's treatment going to look like? Um, we already know from the feds end that, you know, what they're paying for residentially is 90 days and that's it. What's really, okay, what's what's going to happen post that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because, like I said, people are going to need more than 90 days of treatment. Otherwise, uh, what I say publicly is you either have quality or quantity. Which one do you want? And sometimes in times of financial, you know, when situation, when money is not strong, tight, tight, they take uh, quantity. Right. How much can we get for our buck? And I always argue, no, you go with quality. So if you can only serve three people instead of seven, you serve three so you can get better outcomes. Yeah. Um, The irony is that money is not going to be in the equation this time. It's not a funding. There's no more funding issue that's taken care of. That's why I said long term, this is going to be the best thing that has happened to the providers because the issue has always been funding, 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 funding. Right, right, right. It's always been the argument, the fight. The drain every year is fighting, you know, fighting, your, you know, you're fighting with those prob- pennies. You're fighting with probation. You're fighting with the sheriff's department, the D, you know, you're fighting. When I say fighting, I don't mean you're fighting with them, but you're the, you know. That's the struggle. Us, us providers are in one silo and we're fighting for the local dollars against others, the, you know, other departments in the county for, you know, county funding. Right, right. And Six so, people at the table, one piece of pie, so to speak. Right. And. Everyone gets to make their argument, but as what happens across the nation, I haven't seen anyone say, no, you know, they take care of us first. You know, human services always gets the, you know, Short time to get cut funds, eh, human services. Right. Which is ridiculous. Can't think of, and no one has ever counteracted this argument. That name one thing, such as a, like addiction, that doesn't impact multiple areas in society. Oh, we're spending so much money in the hospital. Well, yeah, the people, the addicts, you know, when they got to go to, you know, if they have a medical issue, they're going to the emergency room. But if they were, if you would give some money to treatment, we'd be able to mitigate that. Right. Oh, we're spending so much money in, in on the jails, by the way, they're building a $700 million jail locally here. Sure are. Thought I'd just throw that oh, in Oh, yeah, there. that's going to look real nice. Oh, we're spending so much money, you know, putting people in jail. Oh, well, you know, you're spending $180 a day, you know, for jail, and you can spend, you know, 125 on treatment. Right. Which backs up your previous point of quality over yeah. quantity. Yeah. Because, okay, quantity, sure. Send us seven. Six will fail and go right back to that jail, and you'll be paying I mean, for them on that yeah, end, too. Yeah. We used to make that argument with the adolescent program. Look, you're going to pay us now. Or are you going to pay us later? Right. One way or the other. So 
But that's a um, public policy choice that has to be made. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think we got a. We're fortunate. We have a good group of supervisors that are leading the county, yeah. And they're making, I think, a good public policy choice. So, yeah. Um, Daytop in January of 2015 officially was no more, as we knew it. Yeah. Uh, they were absorbed. I, you know, the formal term is merge, but they, you know, I don't call it a merger. Um, a merger is when part, two equal parties come together. Daytop was not in a position to be an equal party to anyone. So they were absorbed by a child of their own creation, Samaritan Village, um, which Daytop helped start way back when. And so it's uh, only right, I guess. You know, it's like the... Uh, the child taking care of the parent in their older years, you know. So um that's what happens. It is sad, but uh and you know, we spoke about this in a, in a number of shows. Um but I believe January 15th, I might be off by day or so, was the official date that they took over. Um so Daytop as we knew it exists no more. Now, the, I believe the name was supposed to be I have not heard this. I haven't seen it, um, and I, I do get mail from Samaritan all of a sudden. <laughs> um, I, and, and Charlie had mentioned that the name was going to be Samaritan Daytop. Right. I don't believe that to be the case because I've not seen that. So maybe someone will let me know if that's the case or not. Um, it still says Samaritan Village. I don't know if they said, well, you know, we really got village in the name, so why don't we just, <laughs> just keep it as right. it is, and we can just say we took village from Daytop, you know. Who knows? I don't know. So that's the word on Daytop for 2015, uh, the end of an era. So one of the things that I've been trying to do is collecting uh, mementos from Daytop, um, pictures that we have, um, things that we've received over the years, um, anything, signs that say Daytop on them, uh, to save all of that stuff and create a, a, a haul. Yeah, a hall of memories, whatever we want. I don't know what we're going to call it, but um, that so, would be really cool. So, myself and my assistant are trying to collect and corral these things, um, getting some things re redone. Yeah, um, that can be redone to make them look better, newer, and so on and so forth. Um, so that the history, at least from our perspective out here in California, is kept, yeah, um, kept alive, and I'm sure. Others are doing what they can. Daytop, New Jersey is still um, alive and well. They just had a fundraiser, by the way. And I, and I went to one of their fundraisers. My wife and I were fortunate enough to go to um, Joe Hennon's retirement um, affair, which doubled as like a fundraiser. Sure, okay. Um, and, you know, we're kind of new. We You know, we've been doing it. Uh, we, we never fundraised while we were daytop out here. We didn't fundraise. Cause right, right. We, you know, we we did little things with the kids, but not for the company. No, it would be for them because all of the fundraising was done in New York. So right, right. We we just got the little byproducts, little uh, crumbs, the crumbs, the crumbs that <laughs> fell thirty six hundred miles. But when we separated in two thousand seven is when we started. Okay, we got to start doing our own you know, fundraising. Yeah, we did we, an annual we, one we there did, for a while, and we did some dinners and so on and so forth. 
um, you know, we made some money and we started, we had to build on it. And we, we talked to Daytop New Jersey and they were in the same position that we were in when they first started. You know, they started very small. They made a little bit of money, but every year they just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Well, when we went in 2010 to Joe Hennon's retirement ceremony slash fundraiser, um, word on the street is that they made a quarter of a million dollars. Holy smokes. I couldn't even fathom that. (laughs) Right. We're like jumping through your roof when we clear 25 grand. Right. You know what I mean? And they're clearing 250 grand. Well, their most recent fundraiser, they cleared 650,000. Holy smokes. Now, you said you were present for one of them? In 2010. Did you take notes? <laughs> well, yeah. What were they doing? I, actually, I did take notes because some of the stuff they did, I incorporated into our own dinners. Okay. Okay. But um, it's it's kind of interesting because here we are. We're in the heart of Silicon Valley. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're in the heart of where the most billionaires are located, concentrated on the face of the earth. Right. Okay. Where they are, where they're located, Daytop, New Jersey, their main adolescent facility, is where a lot of retired pharmaceutical executives live. Okay. Okay. Now, you would think that we would have a prime advantage. Yeah, we would blow them out of the water. We would blow them out of the water. Yeah. And I think the most we have ever brought in on one fundraiser is 144000 Yeah. And that's right dead in the middle of Silicon Valley, where there's nothing but millionaires and billionaires. Got to get those invites out to Mark Zuckerberger, hmm. Mark Cheeseburger. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you would you would think that. Wow, that's amazing that they were able to round up as much money as they did for the fundraiser. That's well, they've been that's great. They've been doing it, so they've got it down packed, and and more power to them because that helps. That helps, you know, because when you're gets the message out there. The very not, least not only that, when you're able to raise money outside of the traditional, you know, whatever your traditional your, your earned your earned income is, that helps stabilize you, provide, you know, uh, reserve backup. Yeah, for, get you ahead a little bit. Yeah, backup for lean times and things of that nature. You're not you're not living month to month. Exactly. Yeah. Uh recovery accomplishments. We had a gra- graduation. We did indeed locally. Um, that was awesome. Yep, to see the graduates uh, walk. Um, what else, recovery-wise? I, I like to think the, and some of my colleagues don't agree, but I keep on telling them, you know, I like to think this new funding mechanism through using the Medicaid dollars is going to be the best thing that ever happened to the treatment providers. We have to realize that you're in a unique position that none of your other colleagues get it from your point of view. So like me, for example, the funding now might be great. Like you said, wow, hopefully in the long term, gone are the days where funding is the issue and we need to fight over dollars. Mm -hmm. However, that does change the mode of delivering treatment. Yes. And so if I'm someone who my goal is in that delivering treatment and that has to change because of dollars, I might say, well, this whole new funding thing just sucks because I don't agree with how I now need to administer treatment 
but from your perspective, you can see how that's going to benefit us. But if anything, programmatically, it would, it would be OCG would have the biggest argument because we're the only long-term residential program in the county. Right. Everybody else is short-term residential. So there's no there is no adapt adapting for them in terms of the length of treatment. They're already doing 90-day treatment. We're the ones that have to adjust. Right. Okay. But even with that and having to adjust that way, I can see looking down the, you know, looking sure. ahead that I would rather not have to every single May and June go to 175 meetings to argue and make the case for why we need to either maintain last year's funding or you need we need a 3% increase. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, and so I guess what I'm saying. So when that adjustment of changing from long term to short term, floor counselors and clinical staff and people, I think you once coined the term the belly of the beast, which I like. Those mm-hmm. folks in the belly of the beast are going to feel the impact of that change as far as the mode of delivering treatment, yeah. which they may not like. You are in a position where you think it might be the greatest thing ever. Which it is because from your angle, you get to see the kind of stability that it's going to provide Mm -hmm. for us to continue to do what we do and fulfill our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're in a unique, unique position in regards to that. No, I also understand the change. That's but that's why I think we're fortunate in that to have the little setup. The setup that we have have will help mitigate that to a certain extent. Yeah, right. Well, okay. right, exactly, because we'll be stepping people down. We'll be able to have relationships with these clients all the way through right. to the point where we believe this is what they would have needed anyway. Right. It's just going to happen under different roofs. Right. Right. And our our day treatment program slash recovery residence, uh, there is no time limit on the length of time someone can right. be in there. There's right. Only time. It's only going to be a time limit on residential. Sure. So you got to... You know the way the world works. You there's no free lunch. You got to give up something to get something. So right, exactly. If someone came to me and said, "Look, we're going to solve your funding issue, but in order to get that, you're going to have to give up some time on the residential treatment end. Which one do you want?" So if I knowing my situation and knowing how I got it set up, I said, "Okay, I'll give up the I'll take the 90 day treatment and solve the funding problem, knowing that in my back pocket." I have another means of extending treatment right. out in a different fashion. You've people. got the prospect that you've had throwing in the basement that no uh, scouts have been privy to seeing. Exactly. Sure, I'll give you my top my uh, my top prospect. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So we threw our aces down. <laughs> I don't play good. poker, so whatever it is, the royal flush. Ah, the aces it. are good. We threw it down. Um. So we covered OCG. And do we have any uh, lows? Any lows that we want to? Uh, I mean, we are we 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 went through financial up and downs. Uh, and, and not just us. Every single residential provider went through financial up and downs this year, um, at different times. Um, and you know, it's. It was just the nature of the beast right. this year. It, it was a byproduct do. of what was taking yeah. place. And I'm not sure I would call it a low, but we definitely did have take some bumps or some hits as far as just the daily structure and program is concerned with having this be new to us, yeah. the adjustments and what that was going to look like and you know how to communicate back and forth. And you know we had some 
alert there was a learning curve yeah. there mm-hmm. that was a little bumpy and it, again kind of like you said I don't know if we would necessarily call that a low because again just a byproduct of adjusting to something new and that takes time mm-hmm. to to get a a system down that's solid uh so we definitely went through some of that this year but I think we're we're pretty close to having having a solid foundation with how this is going to work okay all right that's all I got for the year in review, in the year ahead, we take our uh, top of the hour music break. Sure thing. Hit some recovery support time. I feel we got some callers holding. That's what we will do. Uh, just want to give a shout out to those callers real quick. We see you guys on hold and appreciate the patience. We're going to take a quick music break, which we hope you all will enjoy. And we are going to get to recovery support time on the other side.
Coming up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you. Welcome back to Rochon Recovery, recovery support time. Uh, since our uh, engineer is back, he loves to play the long version of our top of the hour break. <laughs> I love all sound clips. He's at the controls. So. I did ask him to do the X-Files since I wasn't able to do it while he was gone because I want to get a couple of questions in before we go to the phones. Uh, James is asking, is it possible to get recovery without working a 12-step program? Yes, it is. Absolutely. You can get recovery in numerous ways, and 12 steps is just one of them. Nothing wrong with uh, combining. Uh, here's a good question from Benny. How can you move forward after a relapse? Well, you know my rule is I get a, depending on the circumstance, grievance period, 24 to 48 hour uh, rule applies. Um, but the way you move forward is analyzing what caused the relapse. And we, we know that the, the actual picking up is not where it started. We have to go back and find out where did the process begin? Why did it begin? What was on your mind? What were you going through the whole nine yards? All of it requires gut-level honesty if you want to get to the root. If you don't do that and you want to stay on the surface, the cycle is going to repeat itself. Is that simple enough? Yeah, I would have to agree with all of that. Exactly. Give yourself a moment of time to to take it in and then time to step up, figure it out, move forward. All right, and for entertainment purposes, uh, Omar wants to know, is there a root from a plant that you can eat or chew that reboots your brain and makes you never want to use drugs again? (laughs) 
Uh, well, I can tell you what. If you have found a plant like that, Omar, or if I find a plant like that before you, I will be sure to cash in as quickly as possible. Because that's the, that's the million-dollar plant right there. That's if the pharmaceuticals don't get to you first. <laughs> exactly. I can ask maybe a couple of my uh, yard yard friends from from Jamaica. Maybe they might have some. Yeah, it would be the place to start. Uh, okay, let's go to the phones. Hi, welcome to the show. Can I have your first name, please, and your hometown? Hello. Hello. Hi. Can I have your first name, please, in your hometown? Oh, Paul from San Francisco. Hi, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, my question is, so I just had a current, a recent relapse, and my probation officer is going to come see me tomorrow. Uh, what should I do, and uh, and do you think she's going to violate me? Run. Run for the hills. Ah, <laughs> uh, we don't we don't know if she's going to violate you, but when you say what should you do. I think you should be uh, honest and upfront. Okay. You know, um, they're you know they're 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 not idiots. They're not fools. Um, they respond to honesty, and you know if you are serious about taking advantage of the opportunity that they have, uh, you have to understand. You know, and if you if you're on probation or parole, and you are in a program. That means that probation officer or parole officer has given a report to that judge recommending and supporting your treatment. Mm-hmm. And if you are not serious about it and they have to then go back to court to speak to why you may not be serious, that pisses them off. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is be serious about the opportunity that they have supported for you. Okay. That's the best advice or suggestion I can give you. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. They get pissed off. Oh, yeah. They get pissed off. They go before the court and, you know, and... and yeah, it's their word. It's their time. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And and yeah, it, it is time because they got to do a lot of reporting now that they got they got to go back and uh, and and either make an argument to support you know if the judge says no too many chances sorry um, and you know the, the PO really wants to give them another opportunity or another chance and you know they've got to make that argument and it's time consuming and it's the nature of the beast but uh, why would you want to test or poke that? The, 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 yeah, the beast, the, you the know, sleeping dragon. Yeah, no, of course, and it also, it it also is their word a little bit and makes them look bad when they're going to bat for you mm-hmm. because they believe what you said, and now they're going back and and mind you, judges and POs have a relationship; they see each other frequently. Yeah, and so yeah, you're making them look bad in a in a really really bad spot. So, got to be straight up. Yep. All right, let's go back to the phones. Hi, welcome to the show, and we have your first name, please, and your hometown. Well, thank you for the round of applause (laughs) for our year-end show. We appreciate that. You are on the air live with Roach on Recovery. Name and hometown, please. 
Maybe they were just calling to give us a round of applause. All right. No one there. We'll go back to the X-Files. Back to the X-Files. Let's see. Moving right along. All right. This is a a 12-step question because this is Paul from Fresno out there in the Central Valley where they're getting a lot of rain, right, out there? Yeah, supposedly. Relative, that is. All right. Because they were in severe drought out there. All right. They say, don't leave until the miracle happens. How do you know when it happens? Is this question. <laughs> so that that phrase came out of the 12 step, right? It's common in 12 step. Don't, 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 don't leave quit before the miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for all I know, it might have come out of sports and then maybe somebody from AA stole it. And I feel like it's a cliche that goes around a lot of different arenas, but. Uh, yeah, definitely. Can't. It didn't come from us. I know that. No, much. no, it wasn't in. The, can't, didn't come out of the TC. But um, how do you know when it happens? Depends on how you define the miracle, but I'd say you know so, when it happens when you've accomplished your goal. Well, let's say the miracle, for argument's sake, is when you have determined within yourself that you're ready to change your life. And do something different than what you have been doing for the last 20 years. So, we've spoke many times on this show about how when you have, when a person arrives at that moment, when they have made that decision and are making that commitment to themselves, that it's almost like a spiritual moment. Right. It's not something you can describe. It's not something you can talk about. You just know within yourself that you're done with that and you're ready to do something different. I was going to describe it the same way that you almost can't be told Mm -hmm. what it is or what it feels like. But I I could assure you, and I feel pretty safe in giving the co-host guarantee here, that when it does happen, you will know. You'll know it. Because you feel a way you may have never felt before. Mm-hmm. Just things change. Mm-hmm. You, just, you look at things differently, period. Yep. We do have the caller called back in uh-huh. who well, we gave don't... us the round of applause and left us hanging. I don't know if you want to go to them. Give them a, give them a second second chance. That's what this field is all about. All, second chances. We're, we're all about second chances, sometimes <laughs> third and fourth chances. We'll see. Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name, please, in your hometown? Yeah, I'm I'm Jim from San Francisco. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, can smoking weed and driving be considered a DUI? Yes, DWI, I believe. Yes. Why do you ask? Uh, because I seem to have one. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you answered that question before we did, but yes, uh, yes, it can. So. If your concern is whether or not that's going to stick in court, I don't know if you've gone to court for it yet, but it's it's considered driving while intoxicated. Or impaired. Or impaired. Mm. I can't say okay. if they look at it as harshly as they do if you're under the influence of alcohol versus marijuana or something else, but it's still uh, a violation. Yeah, it's under the influence. Okay. Have a mind-altering chemical, is it? Yes. Thank you. So, you're very welcome. 
We try and be of service in all facets. Yeah, you know, yeah, legal advice, legal, legal, <laughs> legal advice. Even though we have a disclaimer, we're not lawyers, right, or doctors, but we're we are great at giving both medical and legal advice. And I actually do believe to answer your question, um, the penalty that comes with alcohol versus other whatever they've placed in that category of uh, mind-altering substances yeah. is viewed more harshly, and there's a different code for it as well. Okay. And you know this because because I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Okay, all right. Thought you, uh, as long as it wasn't personal experience. <laughs> um, Mark from San Rafael wants to know: Do you think the depression from my drug use will last forever? No, and I'll make a slight disclaimer that at least not to the level that you may be experiencing it now. <laughs> it could fully go away. It may never fully go away, but it will definitely become easier to cope with, more tolerable, and less extreme as time goes on than you are experiencing it now or early on in recovery. Mm -hmm. So today, as opposed to yesteryear, back in the day, 80s, 90s, etc. We weren't looking for um, co-occurring disorders. Right. If you were depressed while you were using, the link was just made that your drug use was a contributing factor to your depression. Right. We never looked deeper to find out if you experienced depression prior to drug use or anything right. of that nature, or if there's some underlying biochemical issue going on that the depression exists even once you've cleaned up, et cetera. Sure. So even with this question, we don't know if he suffers from depression, period, and it's just exacerbated by the fact that he used drugs. And now that he's off drugs, now we just get to deal with the... Yeah, what's the, left he, on you know, the plate. Right. Right. <clears throat> but lasting forever? No, I agree with your answer. We can... uh Shrink it down a little bit and make it more, uh, what's the word, copable. You can cope with it Yeah, more. Yep. Uh, Frenchie, what a name. What a name indeed. <laughs> from Oakland. That's a perfect place to be I'm from if you're going to be how, Frenchie. I'm trying to see how it's, well, I can't tell if it's a male or female, but how it's worded. How do I feel confident when... All right, I'll, I'll read it how it's written, but I understand what it, what the person is actually trying to say. How do I feel confident when all of my relationships were based off off of drugs? So there, she's really, or he or she are, is questioning, you know, why should I feel confident about my ability to make relationships, make healthy relationships, relationships. Healthy relationships when they were all based off, off of uh, drugs? And, and that's so. If that's the case. When you, if you use the term all and you really mean that, then that's a whole relearning process. Right. You have to be taught and start from scratch and just learn that process. And I would also – and I'll throw this out there. There are plenty of drug addicts who do not have friends Yep. Or and who use in isolation. And so although drugs may have been the common link in the friendships that you did make – you still uh, possess the ability to be social uh, and make friends. I'll give you the perfect example. 
cocaine is a very sociable drug. Right, when, sure. When you're sniffing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you start smoking it, you become very antisocial. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, I would say you clearly possess some sort of social skill enough to where people want to be around you and you're likable, albeit drugs were the common denominator in this case. I would say that when you get clean and go out to make new friendships and meet people and relationships, that the common link will just be something else. But as I said, there are plenty of of addicts who don't have friends, um, and it sounds like you did, so the only difference is going to be changing the the connection, so to speak. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to... Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name, please, in your hometown? Hi, my name is Fermin, and I'm in Rowood City. Hi, how can we help you, sir? Yeah, I wanted to know um, how can I be able to take recovery seriously if I have the attention of females here that I would like to approach? So let me see how you worded this question. You said, how can you take recovery seriously if you have, did you say have the attention of female distractions? Yeah. Well, one of the things I always like to say when this question is posed to people who are in treatment and are presented with distractions such as the opposite gender, um, to me, there can be no better test of a person's self-control and self-discipline, which are the two most important things you are going to need in your recovery process. And so if you can pass that test, okay, which is what you experience in terms of, you know, seeing someone that might be attractive, seeing someone that you might like, that's all natural. That's nature. That's biological. And if you have the ability to control that and you have the discipline to not react off of that, that will speak largely to your ability moving forward to succeed in your recovery. However, if you don't show the ability to not feed into that, not respond to that, not react off of that, that will tell the opposite. Hmm. Follow me? So I should just uh, not get too distracted or not get distracted at all, just leave it alone and focus on my recovery instead of... Well, why else are you in, why else are you there? You didn't you didn't go there to find a spouse. You didn't go there to find a partner, a love interest. You went there because you wanted to get your life in order because there are potential distractions like there are out in the real world. There are distractions. All that is is something for you to practice on. Practice working on my self-control, practice working on my self-discipline. Of course you have to focus just on you. Right. But I but I have a question for you before you go. 
Are you talking about these feelings that you have? Yeah, these are feelings that I have. I know. I said, are you talking about them? No, not really. That's the problem. See, when you talk about them and you can be honest about with how you're feeling and you're talking with your peers, your friends, etc., that helps to dissipate some of the energy behind those feelings. Talking about it more. Yes. Okay. Maybe that'll help. Okay. No, I'm telling you it will help. No maybes. Oh. It will help. I will if try it. Just it. Stays, if, it try. If, if it just stays to you up in your own head and your own mind, the chances are very high that you will act. Mm. Okay. Okay? Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Love bug strikes again. (laughs) There's no quitting him. I love how people forget that while you're in treatment, at some point you're going to be reintroduced to the world at large and that the world is going to provide far more opportunities to mess up and distractions than you will ever be able to find in a program And so it's all a part of the Michigan Proving Grounds. Mm -hmm. Did I I remember that correctly? Yeah. It's it's not like it would help you even if you could be in a bubble while in treatment and never learn how to cope with the feelings of what comes up for you if you're distracted by a female or by maybe contraband that you come in contact with when you're out on an appointment or out Mm -hmm. on a pass like – you cannot just be simply sheltered from all this because you're going to have to face it. Mm-hmm. So don't forget that you're going to go back out into the real world at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, funny that one would assume or hope for going into a program where they will not be tempted once by anything because it's a completely sterile environment. That wouldn't help you anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's one of the... I mean, we hear this a lot when people go to 12-step meetings, out, you know, and it makes no difference what modality of treatment you're in. People go to outpatient groups, and, you know, there's males, there's females together in these meetings, in these groups, um, in residential programs, et cetera. And so, yeah, what's your, what's your agenda? Why, why, why are you going there? Is is it to find somebody? Is it to, you know, to do something different other than the purpose of the, the meeting, the purpose of the program, et cetera? So that's why I try and bring it back to you. What, what's your purpose? Right. Yeah, no, I like how you said that because it went through my head too. Well, are you there to there to get clean? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the question? Why, you know, like, should I or shouldn't I? What did you come there for? All right, let's go to the phones. Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name, please, in your hometown? Hi, my name is Noah. I'm from San Mateo. Hi, Noah. Hi. Hi. Um, How can we help you? 
My question is, uh, is relapse a part of recovery? Ooh, <laughs> the golden question. <laughs> um, can we get away with saying it depends? <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Uh, it doesn't have to be. But for some, but for some, that is the you know that's part of their path. For some, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of a to saying that it, is you know. Yeah, I don't I don't believe in the blanket, the blanket because to me the the if, if there if if you use the blanket saying it's almost like giving you a, a, an out clause. If it happens, right? You know what I'm saying. So I don't believe in that blanket statement. But what I do know is that each person is different. Their path is different. What they have to deal with, go through, get past, and all that stuff is different. And how that may manifest itself, no one can predict. So for some, they may experience a relapse, and that's part of their path. For others, they don't. And that's part of their path. Neither one is better or worse than the other. It's just each person has their own path. But I'm certainly not going to sit here and say that, yes, relapse is a part of recovery. Because Meaning if you've got five years clean and you haven't relapsed yet, you better go and use so you can for so, sure get so your you recovery. Can, so that you can be on the, you know, the preordained path. No, I'm not going to say that at all. Right. And I guess that uh, eventually... Uh, relapse isn't a part of recovery at all anymore once, you know, recovery is your life, right? Listen, understand this. Relapse is not a mistake. Ultimately, it is a decision. Do you understand that? Yeah. Okay. And because it's a decision, then that means that if only I can decide whether or not I want to relapse or not. Right. Not my not my surroundings, not my environment, not what's going on with me. Only I can decide that. And it, and when I decide, it's not a mistake. And do you think that you have to hit rock bottom before you finally get sober? No, you don't have to, but some people make it that way. <laughs> Some people learn and say, you know what, I'm not at rock bottom, but if I don't get this straightened out, I may end up there and lose everything I have, and they straighten their life out beforehand. Some people don't learn, and they got to hit rock bottom before they turn it around or try and turn it around. I see. I'll I'll, I'll put out there, I'll add that in the field of recovery, there are a lot of cliches that you will hear time and time again. Now, these cliches exist because there is some truth behind them to people who have been in recovery or are in recovery, and this has affected some other people in the same way. So there's a general population who these cliches apply to, but nothing is 100% across the board. So it doesn't have to be that way for you. Recovery is unique to each and every individual. So while you might go to a meeting and hear somebody giving a share and and say the magical words rock bottom and have half the room, you know, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it happened for me. 
you don't need to be a part of that population. Although it's true for some people, it doesn't need to be true for you. None of these things are a must or are etched in stone. This isn't like the Ten Commandments of Recovery. Your experience is unique to you. So if you don't feel like you've hit rock bottom yet, but you're ready to make a decision to get clean, that's your choice. If on your journey in getting clean, you're stacking up year after year and you're happy with who you are and where you've come and where you're headed, you don't have to relapse because it makes your recovery more real and now you can relate to these other individuals who you've heard say this. It is common and it does happen for a lot of folks, but it it's not a necessity to get clean. I see. All right. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. How are we doing on time, sir? We're good. We got about eight minutes. Okay. All right. Let's get this other call. Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name, please, in your hometown? I'm Vicente, and my hometown is Rebel City. Hi, how can we help you? Now I've been I've been trying to call because like I've been sober for a week, but I feel like relapsing so bad. So I don't know what to really do. I don't know what who to hang around with, or you know. Have you been to a meeting? No, never been to a meeting. Do you have people that you can talk to? Not really. All the people I talk to, they use. So the only one you have to rely on then is yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, ultimately that's what it comes down to anyway. But I don't know where so, like meetings and stuff. Well, wherever you live, you can find a meeting. Mr. So producer, can you look that up real quick? Sure. But um, and we'll keep you on hold while he figures that out. But um, there's there's a there's a a meeting everywhere at any time, even on New Year's, even on Christmas, even on Thanksgiving, all day long. But let me ask you this question. What is it that you want to do? I know you said you feel like using. That's your feelings. But what do you yeah. want to do? I want to stop using. Okay. What you want to do is very important, not what you feel like doing. And you need to believe and understand that your feeling of, you know, when you feel like using is going to pass if you allow it to. But it also helps to have some support to help you in that process. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. I've got, I've got about a thousand meetings here on this one web page for every day of the week and every time slot. You want to give me a day and a time that works for you? I'm or I don't really have a job right now, so I got all day. Oh, okay, my friend. Well, I can tell you if you have access to a computer, or you could go to the Redwood City Library and access their computer. All you have to do in the Google bar is put in. AA meetings in Redwood City, 
And the very first website that pops up is just nothing more than a schedule of Sunday through Saturday, starting at 7 a.m. and ending at 10 p.m. of multiple meetings with the addresses and maps on how to get there, and they all exist in either Redwood City or San Carlos. Okay. Can you do that? Try that out. All right. All right. Let us know how it works out, okay? All right. I'll call you guys back next week. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a good All weekend. Right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sounds like he's in crisis. Yeah. So hopefully he does go to a meeting. There are plenty for him. Um, so my wife's birthday. Around the corner? December 31st. Oh, it's more than around the corner. That's you're about to you're about to step on it. So, I'm guessing her mother can hold off till the clock struck twelve to <laughs> to make her a New Year's Day baby. Okay. Unfortunately for her and others who are born on December thirty first, they are the only ones that cannot say. The next uh, after their birthday cannot say that their birthday will be next year. Ah, uh, yeah, true, very true. It's a tricky little note that you've done there with a play on the calendar, but no, I didn't make the play. It's a fact. Well, it's, uh, you know, by virtue of being born on December thirty first, you can never say, "Hey, my birthday's next year." Yeah, what am I going to do for my birthday next year? You can't say that because once January first comes, it's already next year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that is that is very true. Unless you're talking about next year's birthday on your current birthday, which you don't typically do. So if someone is so you know if her birthday is December thirty first, and let's say if she was out or something, and then it turned you know it came into the new year. Okay. Um. Well, that's no longer a birthday, January first. Right. Okay. And oh, so when's your birthday? You can't you won't say, oh, it's next year. No, mm-hmm. you can't say that. That's right. It's 364 days from now. That's right. <laughs> there will also be that whole fact that will come up uh, in 2016, where those of you out there who are 24 years old but technically have only celebrated six birthdays, mm-hmm. you're going to get another one. We got a, a 29th day of February upon us. Let's see. Leap years have been pretty good for me. Have they? Yeah. Okay. Looking looking back. Yep. They've been good years. Yeah. Well, I can say the last leap year we had, um, my 49ers were in the Super Bowl and my Giants won a World Series. So that was a pretty good year. Oh, kid. (laughs) That was a pretty good year. Do we have enough time? Which I know we're close. We got one more. Do we have enough time for the last call? You've got a minute. That's it? That's all you have. If you want to put them on real quick, say we'll give them an answer off the air so it cuts the dialogue, that's up to you, my friend. All right, let's chance it. Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name, please, in your hometown? And we're short on time, according to the producer. Hi, my name is Dean, and I'm from Redwood City. And uh, my question was, 
I have friends who, like, at this point, they're using. They're just they're not going to stop using until they die. Is there any way to bring them around? Great question. Simple answer. No. No. They have to do it on their own when they're ready. There's nothing you can do to make it happen. You can only focus on you. Well, alrighty then. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You have a good night. All right, you too. Bye bye. How was that? Short and sweet. We got lucky. We he, got, he didn't ask a difficult question. <laughs> we got lucky, and and he ought to know that if he does focus on himself and switches over, that is maybe the biggest cog in those friends' uh, projected futures. That may let be me, the biggest thing that they could see. Let me add just to real quick on that. When, see, when I went into treatment, I didn't tell anybody, any of my friends. Mm-hmm. I only told my sisters and my parents. Right. My brothers weren't around. You know, they weren't around at the time. But I knew if I said to any of my friends before I went in there to talk me out of it. Right. Well, you got to know who you, you so they didn't know. They didn't know where I was for about four or five months. You were like Jason Bourne. You fell I off the grid. Gone. Fell off the map. <laughs> but so I had to do it that way. way to do it. Save yourself. That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right, sir. That's right. Perfect. Well, we would like to thank all the callers who called in today, as well as the folks that were listening and continue to give us their ongoing support. We'd also like to thank everybody for a great year. All the callers who called in this year and the support that we've received throughout the year has been nothing short of amazing. We hope to keep up that trend in 2016 while we keep the shows coming for you all. Uh, We'd like to thank everybody again for a fabulous run in 2015. Don't forget the happy birthday to the wife. Happy birthday, of course, to the host's wife. We hope that it is a great one. And we wish everybody a fun and safe Happy New Year. We will talk to you all in 2016.
That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Don't you know, don't you know, if you change, things will go your way.